Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to Business Black Belts. I'm David Golding. I have the pleasure of being here with Alex Wakefield, Chief Revenue Officer at Acuity MD. How are you, Alex? I'm great, David. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. I really uh, look forward to talking with you because I think, um, you know, the path that you've taken and the experience that you've gained um, are going to be really, are really interesting to me. And I think, you know, that that will carry over to a lot of people who are going to listen to this. Why don't we just start out, though, with uh, you giving us a little introduction and, you know, tell us about what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, yeah, so right now I'm Chief Revenue Officer at Acuity MD. Uh, like you mentioned, I just re- most, uh, recently moved here. Um, prior to that, I was running a supply chain technology company for uh, five, almost five and a half years. Uh, but I've got a very background, as you uh, as you implied. Uh, I've got a busy personal life with uh, with seven children, so I try to balance it all and, and make it all work. And we can kind of jump in and, and start wherever you want. Yeah, that's great. I, I think, um, well, first of all... Uh... Talk to us about what it's like. Uh, you know, I have two children, right? Um, and that's a headache. Or I shouldn't say a headache. It, it, it can be uh, hectic. Um, yeah. What's it like with uh, seven? <laughs> hectic, for sure. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have one in college, a couple in high school, junior high and elementary school. So we've got a, a broad range. Um, but it's, you know, managing logistics at, at home. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stress, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's rewarding. And um, I was thinking about it before our conversation and I'll just throw something out there to start it. You know, I think of, you know, people talk about kind of work-life balance and, and I think we got to think of it in like professional personal balance. Um, mm. I'm not a big fan of work-life balance because I think it implies that work is not part of life and a negative thing. So yeah. one of the things that I try to do is I try to kind of infuse them so that, you know, I'll do work at the kitchen table at night, um, but I'm not afraid to go to, you know, a kid's lacrosse game or something like that. As long as as long as you're really focusing on, you know, results and, and you know, making people, the, the people around you better and yourself better incrementally all the time, I, th- I think it's good. But, um, you know, you got, it's a lot of things juggling, you know, professional and personal. And I think the the better you can just infuse the two and be happy with both of them and you got to enjoy what you do. I think that's, that's one of the ways that I approach it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cause I mean, what I hear you saying is it's about priorities, right? That, that it all intermixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're right. I mean, I, 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 I find it hard to separate the two completely and I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think it is more about, um, priorities. That's what I'm doing on a daily basis is kind of asking myself, am I putting my family first? Because when I've gotten that out of whack, everything gets out of whack, right? So, yeah. you know, wife and kids first and um, and then uh, business and, and it all does work out um, as long as I keep that stuff straight. So let's talk about just, uh, you know, how you got your start, right? I mean, we, we talk a lot about mm-hmm. going from white belt to black belt on this podcast. Yep. And so talk to us about uh, when you were a white belt. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Um, so, so kind of the way I think about it and sort of the way I, I started my career is just being a student of leadership kind of throughout my career. So I, well, I did Navy ROTC in college. Um, mm. so, so when I graduated and got commissioned in the Navy, just like a lot of other, uh, military officers, I think it's unbelievable leadership experience. But when I was 23, I was managing 48 people, you know, on a ship and, and you just can't get that experience 
I don't think in really another area unless you you know start your own business and, and grow it rapidly. Um, so when you get those leadership opportunities that young, it's it's just a great way to think about how are you going to um, help develop people, grow people, achieve a common goal. Um, so that's kind of the way I think about it. So so when you use leadership as an underpinning or base of what you want to do, I, I left the Navy. So that's not an operational role when I ran all the support services on the ship. Uh, but I left and went to IBM and did supply chain or logistics operations at IBM. So the first 10 years of my career was was in operations. And I just made a conscious decision to say, hey, I'm going to go get in sales. And I completely switched industries because I wanted to take a shot at sales. And I went into a building materials manufacturing company to, to run a sales team. So like a hard, complete 90 degree angle cut. Um, so I've done some interesting things, but I've been in sales for almost 20 years. I was in operations for the first 10 years of my career. Uh, and then today, you know, what I really focus on is, and in, in 2010 or so, I made a conscious effort to, to leave, you know, manufacturing service providers to get into software and technology. Um, and I really love commercial operations and selling. So that, that kind of came together, you know, at Acuity MD, which is um, I get, I'm responsible for all revenue operations. Um, but our solution, we sell to commercial and sales organizations to help them be more effective in achieving their goals and getting products to their customers. Um and, it, and I get to do it from technology enablement. So that's kind of the way I think about it today is it sort of culminated in a leadership underpinning with a commercial focus and enabling people with technology. And I don't know, maybe it'll change in 10 years, but that's what, that's where it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, if the history is a guide, it probably will change for you, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Which which I, I think is is um, really interesting to me. I had somebody tell me recently, they, they uh, thought I was really courageous for all these different things I've taken on in my career. And, you know, like you, I've, I've always been in sales, but I've, I've um, embraced uh, taking different paths, um, you know, that are off the, you know, the, the, the common path maybe. And I don't think it's courageousness at all. I think it's more curiosity. I think it's more Mm -hmm. desire to do something different. And I, I love the fact that you chose to go from operations into sales, because I think that creates an opportunity to really have a superpower in a way, because you understand both sides of the desk, right? You understand the guy that you're pitching to because you've sat there. Yeah, it makes it. It honestly makes a huge difference. Um, I think it adds some credibility, the frame of thinking of an operational mindset. And candidly, you know, I took some project management certification courses, and bringing that that discipline into a selling process is is a huge advantage. You make it sort of. Uh, methodical, in addition to, you know, kind of an emotional, uh, an EQ quality you're going to bring to your customers. But, uh, you know, that operational mindset in sales, I think is really, really helpful. Um, and it does help that you've sat in the seat and you, you've done the operations of, of a lot of the folks you're trying to talk to. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a background that I don't find a lot. Um, but if I come across it, I, I try to drill into it as much as I can and see if I can, you know, find someone that's had similar experiences. Yeah. So what was it like? I mean, IBM, um, what years were you at IBM? 98 to 2003. Yeah. So what an interesting time um, Mm -hmm. to be at IBM. If you think about the old, um, and obviously I I, I never lived it, but I've talked to a lot of people who were at IBM in the 70s and 80s. uh, Mm -hmm. and, And to hear them talk about what it was like then to then, you know, what it's become like. And every company evolves, but you were really... I think there at a time where there was a 
maybe in a, you tell me this could be the wrong way to put it, but an identity mm-hmm. crisis to some degree um, of, you know, trying to figure out what was next for this behemoth of a company. Uh, right. So what did you learn while you were there? I, I think um, I got there about when they were, I think, settling in on their identity. You know, Lou Gerstner, I think, came in in 1992 or something like that. 92 and 93 were the, the tough years where they, where they let a, a lot of people go. Um, you know, I think he essentially created the um, technology services industry. Um, hmm. So I think he, you know, he, he really built that um, process out and, and put that stake in the ground. So then we're, then IBM was trying to figure out, you know, is it still manufacturing? Is it servers and big boxes and PCs? Or is it technology? I was part of the technology group. Um, so we kind of worked through it um, for a while. But yeah, it was, it was interesting because it was, I joined pre- you know, dot com bust and stayed a few years after, and <laughs> in the in the microelectronics division and technology, we were selling a lot of the uh, the leading edge chips to some of the largest companies like uh, like Apple and, and Qualcomm and, and things like that. Um, so it was it was really interesting to see it kind of you know go up and stay pretty strong for a little while. But yeah, they were they were really trying to figure out what their identity is. And you know, fast forward to today, I don't. It's a completely different company than than, than I was at. Um, yeah, yeah. But I learned a lot, and I was I was I was I was there when they were starting to really build it back up. Yeah, and and you're so right about the services side of things. You know, around that time, and you know, like 2005, I went to work on the other side of the desk uh, for a mm-hmm. big health center here in Pittsburgh, and we had outsourced a lot of um, elements of the IT operation. Uh, to IBM, a huge contract. Um, and it was fascinating because that was the virtualization era, yeah. right? We were going from, you know, uh, standalone servers and infrastructure to completely virtual. And I was blown away with the proficiency of IBM, you know, the services, what they brought to the table and something that was so challenging. Um, it really was impressive. So, um, I can see how powerful that would have been for your career, especially from an operations perspective, because that was before you made the turn into sales, right? You were on the operations Absolutely. side at IBM. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I was, I was, um, I wanted to go into sales at uh, IBM, and I was in the technology division. And these are, you know, masters and doctors of electrical engineering, and I'm an economics major. I right? get my <laughs> MBA, so um, I, I got some advice from a, from a great. Um, executive who is not a lifer at uh, at IBM and he just said look if you want to go into sales I think that's great I think you'd be a great fit um but just just do it in an environment that you're going to fit in better not not one you know dominated by electrical engineers and um speaking a language that that's just not you haven't studied they go super deep so that's what I did and that's why I went into building materials I was like this product's not super complex and uh, you know I got trained on a great sales process that I still used today in, in, in spin selling as a component of it. And that's really when I, I was very fortunate. Like I think, you know, people have to re- realize there's a huge component of luck mm. <laughs> in, mm. in life. <laughs> um, so, some bad, hopefully more good. Yeah. Um, and you kind of try to learn from the bad and shrug it off if you can't control it or things don't go your way. And um, you try to really make as much good luck as you can recognize sometimes that it's luck and just make the most of it. So I joined that organization. Um, it was called Old. I mean, twelve or thirteen billion dollar global building products company. Uh, I joined it at a time where they were rolling out this sales process, and I knew I wanted to 
interact with the customer and sell more. That's what I was doing at IBM. I was getting closer and closer to the customer. So I was kind of hand in hand with the field sales engineers delivering a um, kind of a, a supply chain visibility solution, uh, you know, 2002, 2003. Um, but, but as I joined Old Castle, they had just rolled out spin selling. And with a project management mindset, I looked at it. I was like, oh, my God, sales is actually a process, right? It's not just, you know, kind of. <laughs> taking people out and hanging out. It's a, re- it's a process. And so from that point, yeah, I kind of recognized that I, I was really fortunate to go through that at that time when I was kind of open to learning. And, and I've just sort of expanded the way I think about sales and the commercial process and, and implemented different, different components. Um, but that's what I did. I left IBM and got into a very, very different product set. And uh, I loved it. Yeah, it was but I've left a little too early, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I ran the sales team for a person who'd never been in sales. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so much there that I want to want to dig into. Um, the first thing is just talk to us a little bit more about spin selling and, and what that mm-hmm. process is like. So that's a, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an old book. It's 1988. It was written by a guy named uh, Neil Rackham. So I don't, I, I, I don't think it's a, um, it's a complete sales process. I think it's a, fantastic way to manage individual interactions. So for mm-hmm. me, I use it for how do you manage meetings? And I, and I not only use it at work, but just conceptually, um, how do you use it in your personal life? And, and I, I really think there's something to um, information results output that was sort of the opposite of what you expected. And that was the, the genesis of that book. So Neil Rackham was like a a research psychologist or something like that. He wasn't in sales and he wanted to get, you know, start his career in, in, um, in research. And I think he wanted to get into to sales consulting. Anyway, he was contracted by uh, a large fortune 50 companies to, to help figure out with their sales force, how they could optimize their sales force. They were, they were known as one of the best sales force. It might've been Xerox or Kodak. I don't remember what it was. One of the best sales forces in, in the world. What do we need to do better? And, you know, he found what he found and was like sweat bullets and, as the story goes, uh, wanted to be exact. So they go, okay, what do our guys need to do? Close more? Uh, no, that's not that's not what I found. Uh, you know, what do they need to do? Open any questions? No, that's I didn't find that either. Um, and uh, I, I forget what the third what the third one was, uh, but went down <laughs> these closing techniques. And he said, no, actually, I found the opposite. I mean, people that do that tend to sell less. The people mm. that sell more um, ask questions. You know, and he kind of came up with. Um, selling isn't telling, asking questions is. So I, I, I credit that book and that process with the, the foundation of complex sales, which is, you know, multiple interactions and multiple decision makers. Um, because that's what he found. He found the best people ask insightful questions. And the psychological part of that, which is super interesting, is, oh, it was yes, no questions. You know, does it, did they ask more open-ended words? Maybe I said that, but uh, he said, no, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter. A well-crafted question, regardless of whether it's yes or no or open-ended, it doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is uh, when you get someone to answer a question in their brain as the synapses uh, fire, um, you know, between their, uh, the, the gap between neurons is like synapses or, what, or whatever it is. But as that, you know, electrical charge fires, it starts to hardwire your brain. So you own the answer. So rather than saying, hey, wouldn't you love my s- solution? You say, well, you know, what would you like about my solution? And they'll explain it to you. And then they sort of own it in their brain. So it starts to hardwire it. You can kind of infuse the way of thinking in their brain. Now, the only way you really want to do this is because um, you believe in what you're selling. You believe what you're what you're doing. So 
Uh, but it's a super interesting way to, to think about it. It's not, hey, I've been the most successful salesperson ever. Here's how I did it. You should do this. It's here is exactly how you should think about an interaction. Figure out what you want to achieve. Figure out what problems they might have. Figure out some questions around those things to have a good conversation. And help your customers learn and, and see how they can be better. And, and nowhere in it is, um, you know, I've done this. You should do this too. And I, and I think that's much more acceptable and adoptable for really high quality salespeople is, you know, um, just tell me how I can interact with my customers a little bit better and, and how I can teach them and help them. Cause that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Exactly. I think what I like, you know, the things that you're saying about process and psychology, I think are so important to sales, but that's also why they make it so hard. Cause yeah. I think people, people in general, um, have a hard time with, uh, discipline, um, it's just hard, right? I mean, it's why in athletics we have coaches and, and we practice. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, sales is much the same way. But I think also the psychology of, you know, so there's the psychology of the salesperson and then there's also the psychology of the customer. Um, yep. And really getting an understanding for that and, and learning and embedding that into the process, I think, is where it becomes really powerful. And, and as I heard you talk about, uh, you know, spin selling, it, it kind of reminded me, I'm, I went back to Never Split the Difference recently by Chris Voss. Yeah. Um, and, and really, uh, right where I was in the last day or two, um, you were saying a lot of the same things that he says. And he talks about that hard wiring in the brain, right? And mm -hmm. And how to ask questions and how to think about your questions. And I, I, I love that. Um, so I'm definitely gonna gonna check out that book. Uh, so then you you know um, you make another change in your career. <laughs> so talk to us yeah. about you know that that other you know again you you took a a, a hard right. I did you know I did and, there, and there's one actually um, I don't even have my background anymore. I love Goldcast. I went to multifamily property management for like nine months or a year or something like that. One of my buddies had recruited me there. You know that we don't that's we don't we don't talk a lot about that one. Um, but even a completely different industry. Um, and then it was funny because after I was coming out of that, I, I had three different offers. I had one um, to run you know multifamily uh, portfolio to run that portfolio of properties. I had another from a building materials company to run a sales region. And then I had third, the one I took from a logistics service provider. So three different industries, you know, I had, I had job offers in 2004, uh, no, 2005, somewhere, somewhere around there. So anyway, I went to uh, the logistics company to run their, their um, sales force and, and ultimately build out their technology solutions, which wasn't the plan when I, uh, when I joined, but I knew the owner of the company, um, and so that was, that was a, you know, commercial role. And then we built out some very specific technology solutions based on some of the work that it's done at, uh, at IBM. And we rolled it out before I built a program for IBM, uh, for some solar companies that adopted it as well. Um, uh, so that was kind of running the technology group and the sales group. And then I left there 2010 to go into, to Red Prairie directly into software. So that was a very conscious, um, decision to leave services and operations and to get directly into software and technology. And that's where I've been since 2010. Yeah. And, and so what was it? Um, I liked how you described your decision and, you know, the advice that you got mm -hmm. at IBM, because I've really relied on advice in my career and, and um, you know, seeing people or meeting people who had something that uh, I wanted, right. In, in, in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, 
I knew they knew more than me and I wanted to find out what that was. Did that play into your decision in 2010 or, you know, how, how did you kind of become aware of the fact that you wanted to, to make that change? Um, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I, I, look, I logistics services operations is I have the utmost admiration, particularly today. It's a very high visibility um, business today and operation, but it's, it's a tough business. It's, it's hard. And those, and those folks work really hard. And um, I think that the end of they might be getting some of the recognition today, but they work really hard. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of the exposure they get is just what went wrong, not what, went, what went right. So it's a tough business. Um, so I had, I had made a decision that I was gonna, I was gonna look for something else. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd been doing technology solutions uh, since, geez, when I first joined IBM, I helped um, do some of the, not the actual config of SAP, but I did sort of the, the process translation and set next to one of the developers. So I've been doing technology solutions for a while. Um, and really the nail in the coffin, uh, well, it's probably a bad way to say it, but the, but the, the tipping point in my brain um, was just, just kind of a random reading of a, of a book on how Warren Buffett invests. And this is really, hmm. you know, people take this for what it is. This is not an altruistic answer, but I'll give you the answer because it's, it's kind of a funny story. When I had, we had um, McKinsey come into Red Prairie and they were asking some newer, newer folks, you know, um, well, why did you join Red Prairie and has it been what you expected? Um, and I, and I joined because it was warehouse management, primarily software, some labor management transportation. So it was in the space and I was selling to the, the folks that, that I came from. And I really understood manufacturing and logistics and, you know, selling that, that technology into those customers to help make their operation better. That's the altruistic way to think of it. Um, but I read, I read some, um, how Warren Buffett invests, which is, you know, in a, in a nutshell, in this little excerpt, there were two lists, and he likes to invest in high gross margin um, generating companies, consumer brands, because they can hire the best sales reps and pay the best sales reps so they get to sell more. And then in the low margin business, they don't have as much money to pay sales reps. So um, I, all I did was like switch lists. I went from a lower margin yeah. company to a higher margin company, um, and, and, it, and it worked out. So I think when you you know, you put the effort in, you, you have good intentions and you like your product and, and you sell ethically and effectively, it, it tends to work out. But there was that little, you know, tipping point in the end where I was like, oh yeah, okay. If I go from a lower margin company to a, to a higher margin company, um, there's probably more commercial opportunity for me. Um, but I joined, I joined Red Prairie and I took it. That was the only time I think I've ever been a direct contributor, an individual contributor. Mm. So I, so I did that so I could learn the product, um, sell and kind of prove my, my value. And then within two years, I was, I was tapped to start up a business inside the organization. Uh, we went through an acquisition. Um, so that, that stopped. And I just, you know, kind of rolled into a VP of sales role that, that was JDA software at the time. Yeah. Okay, good. No, I, I, I love that story about, uh, about Warren Buffett because he is a fascinating guy and, uh, yeah. you know, his success, you, you can't, um, it's just, uh, incredible. Um, but let's talk about, so you made the transition into software um, mm -hmm. and what a different world that software is, oh, um, yeah. you know, just like logistics. And I loved how you talked about logistics because I've known people and sold to people in that, in that business. And it is a fascinating business. Um, and there's probably similarities to software in, in some ways, um, but also, you know, 
technology is is an, an animal all in and of itself. So what did you learn mm-hmm. there and, and you know what was that experience like? Um, at Red Prairie and JDA? Uh, the, the next step you took beyond um, Red Prairie and JDA. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that was another, um, a lot of these conscious decisions. So Red, uh, JDA bought Red Prairie. So I was there collectively, I don't know, about oh, four, gotcha. four, okay. four yep. years. Yeah. So, so that was via an acquisition. And then, um, I ended up running, I was VP of sales and we had sort of just, you know, come together as organizations and said, all right, how do we cut up the commercial piece? And I was on the manufacturing team. Um, so I ended up taking uh, public sector um, CPG, non-food CPG and life sciences. And it's the last one. Um, life sciences that was interesting because when I left JDA, I went to a company called Model N and I really, this time I was going from selling bottom line optimization to telling, selling top line expansion. Um, and I'm a big fan of one of the reasons I got into sales is your, your success is somewhat undefined. It's unlimited. Um, you can sell as much as you can sell, as long as your solution is scalable and in software, it's essentially infinitely scalable. So as long as you can, you can find enough people to sell to you can sell as as much as you want um when you're in operations uh, you're really trying to accomplish a particular finite task or you're trying to cut costs so there's a, a, a sort of a finite thing you can do unless you're again building something creating a new organization starting a company, something like that set that aside um operationally you're really you know um optimizing a process cutting costs whatever there's sort of a finite amount of benefit you know you can get year over year some people may disagree. It's just the way I think about it. I'm not you know, speaking negatively about operations. It's just a different thing. Yeah. Um, so when I moved from JDA supply chain software into Model N, which was revenue management software, I was sort of going from bottom line software management to top line software management. Um, so that was that was pretty interesting. I was running the Americas um, sales operation uh, for Model N, and it was mostly the largest pharma companies in, in the world that were our customers and a lot of the medical device companies. And, and it was that experience that really interested me in uh, Acuity MD in my background, but there was, you know, a job in between. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that job, the one that was in between. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think people have to set goals. Um, this is one of my goals. You mentioned earlier uh, you know, family life and a family has got to be, but got to be right. It's got to be in, in, in really good um, balance. And I think both things have to be in great shape. Your family life has to be in great shape. Your professional life should be in great shape. You should enjoy both of them if possible. Just go chase something you think will be enjoyable. And um, candidly, I was just, you know, I was traveling a ton. Mm. Um, I wasn't focusing enough at home. So I just had to make a change. And I just said, I, you know, I've, I've got to make a change. I got to figure out how to get a little bit closer to home and focus more on the family. So I had a couple of different, uh, you know, I live in Pennsylvania and Model N was in uh, Redwood City. I was out there all the time. Um, so my my job offers were um, a general manager job in Seattle for a software company with a boss in like the UK. I was like, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like I can really make that one work. Um, and then I had I'd been reconnected with um, the owner of a company um, that I'd known, you know, 10 years ago or so from, from, from uh, my red prairie days. And that's longbow advantage. And one of my goals was uh, to run a company. I would set a personal goal. I wanted to be CEO before the company, before I was 50. Um, and the owner of the company uh, kind of really, I mean, he's exceptional at writing code and um, you know, the, the company had developed a software product and was historically professional services and, you know, kind of like flattened out sales a little bit. Um, so I left a you know pretty large organization and 
I was like the sixth person in the U.S., 36 people in the company, something like that. And, you know, um, less than 10 million in sales. And um, so uh, it was sort of agreed, you know, I build up the commercial uh, team and then ideally if all goes well, take over as CEO uh, after a few years. So we accelerated that a little bit. Uh, but that's what I did. I was 45 and um, the promoted me to CEO, which was which was great. Uh, you know, in five plus years, we we more than tripled the organization. Mm. Uh, so it was it was it was uh, it was great. It was a great experience. Um, great team, great product. Uh, so I really yeah really enjoyed it. That was again that was back in you know supply chain technology and supply chain visibility and the product that that uh, that they were building building really resonated with me at the time. Yeah, um, what was it like to make that transition? Because that is um, somewhat common, right? There's a lot of CEOs who you know started out in sales, and so I, I think mm-hmm. that is helpful in many ways. But you also had the operations and the sales background. Mm-hmm. So, what was that experience like going into uh, you know running the company versus just running sales? Uh, it was okay. It was okay. Really, the only part part I hadn't really run before was just large scale software development. You know, mm-hmm. you have twelve or fifteen developers. Um, so we, so we split duties, but we, you know, we implemented a roadmap that hadn't been put in place before, uh, but for software, our implementing our own software, which is always different than implementing somebody else's software. Um, we put some pretty, pretty rigorous process in place, put some project, you know, standardized product, pro, uh, project management approach, implementation milestones and guidelines. So really, really built a lot of structure to implement that. Uh, you know, we had to build out the marketing team, the sales team. Um, and, and, and I think I was probably um maybe more successful on the marketing and the implementation than on the sales we had some you know we had some 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 great successes really great successes with great customer wins and things like that um i just thought we you know we didn't grow as as quickly as i had hoped or or thought and i think there's some reasons for that but uh but i enjoyed you know and finances you know as an as an econ guy and my father was in finance and, and the finance thing for me is is just i just like it i <laughs> just like numbers yeah. so that was that was an okay that was an okay aspect but i re- i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed running all aspects um of the organization uh, yeah i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun i'm I, i'm pretty sure i'll do it again um just not right now in the last couple moves i've you know at that that model and i i think my you know, business unit was 95 or close to 100 million. And, you know, when I joined, uh, again, Longbow was, you know, less than 10 million. And then I, I left Longbow as CEO to join QDMD as CRO, um, you know, and again, back to a, a, a very small startup company. But, you know, those those things don't don't matter a ton to me. What matters is, am I doing something that's really interesting to me that I think can, um, you know, help the people that I work with and that, that we work for and does that ultimately help my family and you know be a good example and help everybody learn so I, I you know I try to think a little bit more broadly yeah so let's talk about acuity MD I mean it's fascinating what you guys are doing um, I think it's really compelling and, and and really powerful in that it's a you know it's a force multiplier that um, mm-hmm. is going to enable uh, sales which I think is is so important Um I think there are a lot of sales tools out there, uh, but I really like what you've told me about uh, what you guys are building and its purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I'm, I was thinking of, you know, kind of building something or at least starting something on my on my own because I just I've got such strong opinions of 
how commercial operations and particularly sales should be set up, should be optimized. And I, and I, and I really have not seen many, if any solutions that really help the sales team sell uh, because it's really hard. You yeah. alluded to it earlier, right? There's the psychology yep. of the rep. There's the psychology of the customer and those, those things coming together, um, you know, and making it. So there's, a, there's a, a, a ton of moving pieces. And because it's human to human interaction, it's really difficult to predict. Um, and I know there's probably some people that are huge fans of, of machine learning and AI. And, and those, are, those are interesting use cases in, in certain situations. Um, but humans are humans. And they're, they're as much as you want to think you can predict them. Um, like I think I'm pretty good at, they're still unpredictable. Um, so making that sale is hard. And I, and I think sales is the hardest thing, hardest job there. It's really hard because of that um, unpredictable nature of it. Um, so as I thought about how do I look at the, how do I look at a, a commercial organization and a sales force and help them predict better what they're going to do? Because I have sort of uh, thoughts on forecasting and how you can improve your forecasting accuracy. Um, and what tools can we give to reps to, to make their lives more effective? And so when I started talking to Acuity MD, um, we, I'm going to say we know, we, we really have um, plugged a gap in the medical technology industry. We're very specific in, in med tech and who we're focusing on. Um, you know, but CRM um, is great database of information, does some workflow, allows you to report on the reps, but it, it really doesn't do anything for the reps. It doesn't help them sell any better. Um, maybe you can, you know, configure a quote or generate a quote or or something like that. But it doesn't it doesn't point you in the right direction and and help you sell better. And then there's a lot of data data in, in the medical device industry for you know all sorts of different the claims data and payer data and what products are used by which physician and which side of care and all sorts of stuff. Um, but again, you can buy all that data, but you have to synthesize it and put it together. It's a huge effort. Um, so at QDMD, what we did is we kind of put those pieces together. What is your customer master? What is, what is the industry data? And, and we've done a lot of deep analytics on um, some physician level data. And so now, uh, really, at the click of a button, once it's set up, which will, you know, doesn't take very long, um, we'll automatically build out a list of targets prioritized by quantifiable opportunity for sales reps. So any of the work that they did to go do you know, research on physicians or sites of care or industry information, um, they don't have to do it anymore. It's, it's just at their fingertips, uh, mobile or, or desktop. Um, and it's and it's just an unbelievable resource directly for reps. And the response that we're getting for our, from our customer base and the companies has is, is been fantastic. It's something I haven't seen, you know, for a long time, if, if ever. It's just, it's a tremendous response. Um, uh, and, and really what that culminates in is I normally lead with the mission, but, but, you know, we, we believe that we're helping medical technology companies, um, streamline the process of getting their cutting edge innovation to the hands of the doctors that need it and ultimately improve patient outcomes. So that's, that's kind of the big picture goal of what we're doing. But it's, for me, it's, you know, it, it, helping the field sales force with a tool that really is valuable to them and built for them. Uh, I just, I haven't seen another thing that's really specific to an industry that helps reps do those things. Yeah. And it sounds like you could apply that. I mean, obviously I, I like the fact that you guys are focused and I think that's obviously a, a clear requirement to be successful, but it seems like long-term this could go beyond the medical 
uh, industry, right? I mean, this is something every, what you're describing is really what every sales organization needs. I know it, it really is. It, <laughs> yeah. it could, we, we think we can get really, really large in medical device and focus on that and even get broader in our functionality. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are, there are, you know, there are definitely questions and notions about how do you take it to, to another, uh, another adjacent space. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pivot to, uh, and, and I'm kind of conflicted because I want to ask you about, uh, you know, what you like to do in your free time because I love to always <laughs> find that about. But so actually, I'm going to ask you both. How about um, in my time? There's not a lot of free time. In, right, time, in your time you when you're. That well, it, it, maybe it's it's really just what do you, because um, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, I as a committed father and husband, you know, there's a lot of different things I do. Mm. But recharging and kind of stepping away and um, maybe it's almost like being a kid again. Like, like, like for me, it's art, right? I really enjoy the creative process. I was always an artist as a kid or also athletics, you know, getting back into that. So what, what is it that kind of, you know, helps you to uh, step away and, and recharge? Um, yeah, I have, I have a few things in Fortunately, you know, not a lot of plans go to go to fruition, and, then, and this one's still this one's still in in process. So we'll see. Um, you know, but I but I I grew up. Uh, I really enjoy fly fishing and skiing and golf, and and I happen to five of my kids are, are boys, and um, the the oldest one likes to fly fish, and the next one likes to golf, and the next one's a pretty good skier. So yeah, mm. uh, worked out from it worked well for me. But I mean, honestly, if I'm going to get away and just uh, kind of you know, relax and clear the head. I, I mean, I could go fly fishing by myself all day long. It's just, it's a very, it's a great, I mean, I love it. It's, it's, it's relaxing. It's peaceful. It's very, it's also very, you have to think about it a lot. I mean, fly fishing in particular is, um, there's a lot that really goes into, you know, reading the water and thinking about the fly and things. So all sorts of stuff, but, uh, but that's what I like to do. And I, and, and when possible, I love to do it with someone, um, you know, in the, in the family, uh, you know, my wife and I, if we can, if we can find some time, you know, it's just kind of walks and, and hanging <laughs> right. out, but there's, you know, there's, there's so much going on, but, and the other thing I do is I just, I read a ton, you know, in, in the morning and the evenings and whenever I can, um, I just think that keeps your, your mind fresh and I'm always open to, you know, new ideas and new ways of thinking about things. So, uh, my family makes fun of me because I think I'm reading like five books right now. So. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue because that's why I was conflicted because yeah. I wanted to make sure we got that in too because you've already given yeah. me some good book recommendations. So let's have one, you know, one of the five or uh, yeah, talk about all five, whatever you want to do. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear more about what you're reading. Uh, the one I gave you was Range. I think it's by David Epstein. I mean, it, you know, now that we've done this interview, you'll you know you read the book and you'll understand why I like it so much. It's, it's yeah. people that have done very different things in the past and how that, that culminates into into varying levels of success. So I really like that book. Um, there are some great books um, by a guy named Nassim Nicholas Taleb that are just more. I think they're like more modern day philosophical um fooled by randomness is great his combination hmm. is like anti-fragile those are great but they're a little heady but um they're great books i am reading um um frank slootman slootman's new one amp it up it's pretty it's pretty short but i love uh, that book no it, it's short but yeah, it's, it's so good it, what, what he great. does is he really uh, brings together so many things that I've seen in my career, those recipes for success. And he does such a good job of distilling them into something that's very easy to consume. Yep. 
Yeah, that one's that one's good. Um, uh, the hard thing about hard things hmm. uh, by Ben Hora, which is just phenomenal. I mean, like if you're going to run a, a technology startup company and, and you're going to build a business, I would highly recommend that one. That came yeah. recommended to me from my head of marketing. Uh, great book. And then um, I think it's Mark Randolph, uh, co-founder of of Netflix. Uh, I think it's, that will never work. That is just a really great story and a really well written book. I think it's the only book I've ever read cover to cover, back to back. Hmm. <laughs> twice twice yeah. this is what i mean i finished it and started it again the next day I, I just loved it it just it's written really well as a story um so a lot of those are you know sort of uh technically oriented um some of the other ones are you know more philosophy and how to how to think about things but um that's what i'm in right now is is amp it up and i, I got my list down here so she <laughs> gave me what i wrote down yeah. what it was. well you've 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 now gotten me into five books so uh thanks yeah, a okay, lot okay. right <laughs> yeah because uh, i was only in two currently so uh there's a couple here that i'm definitely gonna have to jump in um well thank you so much alex this has been an absolute pleasure but yeah thanks for having me it was a great conversation yeah, and and um, that's why I enjoyed doing this because I just learned so much, and and uh, you reminded me of a lot of things. Plus, you've given me some things, um, you know, to read and to kind of think about in my own life and in my own role here at uh, at Veth Group. So, um, before we go, what's the best way for people to to uh, reach out to you or follow you? Yeah, the best way is uh, my work email awake at acuitymd.com. Uh, you know, ping me on LinkedIn pretty responsive there but those are those are the best way yeah, i'd love to have anybody reach out ask any random questions I, i'd love to engage with folks so um yeah those are the best ways all right alex wakefield chief revenue officer acuity md thank you so much look forward to staying in touch all right you got it thanks david thanks again for listening to today's episode of business black belts should you want to see more content on both the show marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.